Uh, today's word is from Luke 14 and uh, verses 7, and we'll read to verse 11. This is the reading of God's holy word. Um, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the place of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Okay, well, good morning. It's a uh, pleasure and a privilege to be with you this morning. We thank you for your prayers, for your support of our family over these years. Uh, Many of the notes and emails and packages and different things that have come from this congregation have been such an encouragement to us. And especially during this past uh, two-year term we had where the whole world was dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. You also were such an encouragement to us. So, like Pastor said, my name is Chris, my wife Heather, my wife Bella, George, Philip, Clara, and Evan, our, new, our newest addition. And so I think last time we were here, we were uh, minus two team members. So, yeah, you can welcome Clara and Evan to the team. But, uh, yeah, once again, I just wanted to express our gratitude to you. Uh, thankful for the opportunity to be with you this morning to share God's word and to share the ministry that uh, you have partnered with us to be a part of there in Bangladesh. So thank you to my family. You guys can take a seat. We'll continue as we uh, go talk about our, our ministry over these past two years. So uh, like Pastor said, we have been serving for nearly seven years in Bangladesh. We arrived February 2014 with uh, three uh, kids at the time. Uh, Bella, George, and Philip. So, uh, one of the, so you can see our family there, uh, walking on our hospital compound. We can go to the next picture. So, our hospital and our ministry uh, as a team have been in Bangladesh for uh, almost 60 years now. But a lot of what we're experiencing now is renewal. You can, uh, on, on the bottom of that picture, it has... Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, that which is good, pleasant, and pleasing. So that's what all of us as a believer in Jesus Christ ought to be considering in our life. It, renewing our hearts. That's one thing that when we go to the Lord's Supper, we have the opportunity to do is to Think about, God, do I need to change my heart? Is there anything I need to do? Am I being conformed to this world? Am I listening to the world's uh, way of of life and thinking? Or am I being renewed by the Holy Spirit and being uh, accepting that new creation in Jesus Christ? So a big part of our ministry over the past 
two years now has been renewal. Let's go to the next picture. So our hospital, uh, which has been there for 50 plus years, was getting old and, and relatively small for the uh, people we had in our community. Uh, right around us, we have about a million people within distance of the hospital, and then people who come even further for surgery or what have you, looking at almost maybe 10 million people. So think about trying to service an area like Manhattan, New York City, that many people. So our team was thinking we need a larger hospital. So we arrived for the, our second term, it was June 2019. A lot of what we were doing over the, that time from when we arrived until uh, when the hospital opened was preparing for it. I transitioned from being the manager of our uh, male ward, so the men's side of the inpatient, to doing outpatient uh, manager there. So that was a new opportunity, new ministry for me, uh, things to learn, as well as trying. We were the, the first department uh, that was serving patients to move into the new hospital. So lots of responsibility, lots to get ready for. And then February 2020, we had our new hospital open. We had many people from Samaritan's Purse come out. They were a big partner for our hospital opening. And so that was a big celebration. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, you can see our team uh, there on the, your left-hand side. So that was everyone who we had around that time, plus you know, hundreds and hundreds more who came out for that hospital celebration. You could see people in our hospital courtyard singing some praise songs. Uh, so that was February 2020. And as all of you well know, what happened shortly after February 2020, uh, we had the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and that was definitely hitting Bangladesh by that time as well. Uh, so you can see uh, we had a very large team out there. Uh, I think that was probably right before the hospital opened. So, but from that time, we had a lot of people who had to go back to the U.S. for different reasons, different short-termers who had to leave. So it went from a team that size to one that was much smaller even right now. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, so there's a picture of our uh, outpatient department, our doctor uh, of family medicine, Dr. Fowler. She's the only doctor who's really taking care of the patients there in our outpatient department, working as an emergency room doctor, seeing uh, obstetric and uh, gynecology patients, uh, just general doctor's office kind of visits. So she's very busy. We have our medics, female and male medics, and the support staff who are helping to keep that outpatient department running. And then those other students you can see me standing with there, they were actually Bible college students and one week into our Bible college opening for our residential program, we had to send everyone home. So these are students who had to, you know, at great expense, come to our Bible college, and, but they had to all return back home. We couldn't have any schools throughout the whole country were all closed, so they had to go home. And now this uh, one couple in the middle were from a Muslim background, and they said, you know, where am I going to go? I, we accept the Christ as Savior, but our families have kicked us out. We, we have no place to stay. What, are we, what can we do? And so I thought and prayed about it with our other teachers, and we offered them a position. They were our front gate screeners. So the front gate of the hospital, they would stand there and ask simple questions. You know, do you have a cough, fever, shortness of breath? And they would 
uh, send patients one direction or another, depending on that. But that was a way that God provided for them. We got for them, uh, you know, kind of an entry-level job, and we were able to do a great Bible study together. We still stay in contact with them. So very grateful for the opportunity, uh, even through the, the stress and the difficulty of the pandemic. Let's go to the next slide. Here's some pictures of uh, me working. So I am a registered nurse, but work somewhat in the sense of a nurse practitioner in that for our employees, we offer them free health care. So just to help Dr. Fowler and some of the other doctors, uh, I'll sit and see just basic things like coughs and colds and stomach problems and in consultation with our other doctors. If I have any questions, then they can help me out. But I see patients that way. Philip's showing you our, our new hospital department list. And then certainly whenever we have opportunity, praying with patients. Here, there's me there, there in the emergency room praying with a patient. Let's go to the next picture. And then certainly the, the family comes and is in the hospital as well. We didn't do that so much of that during the pandemic, unfortunately. But we love to go see the kids there before COVID hit with one of the boys who had surgery. And we still have a lot of refugees. We still have a partnership with Doctors Without Borders uh, in the refugee camps. And they send people all the time to us. So we're still seeing them and helping them out. So we love to be together as a family, ministering together to these patients in the hospital. Next picture. And then the Baptist Bible College of Bangladesh. So like Pastor was sharing with you, uh, I will continue to be having a role in our hospital but really, the uh, Lord's put a lip on our hearts to be serving our local Christian community by doing training and doing partnerships of our local pastors. So I'm, I am the supervisor of our Bible college right now, even remotely, and hoping to be a t- a teaching uh, a new classes in Bangla. I'll be helping to translate a course. Uh, about biblical theology, looking at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, looking at key themes and some key concepts throughout the Bible and presenting those and trying to understand what God wants us to know about his word and about his, his world and our worldview as a Christian uh, and then trying to share that with our students. So helping to have a much more of a role for that in our next term on the field. Let's go to the next picture. One thing that Heather and I really uh, felt strongly about, we were part of a church assistance committee. So we, we talked together about ways we can help our local churches, how we can encourage them. If there's projects, they need clean water at a place or need to build a bathroom, that, those kind of things. But we're sitting there at this committee meeting and we're thinking, you know, I'm not sure who that pastor is. I'm not sure where that church is. And this isn't right. You know, this, our churches are the reason that we're here in Bangladesh. The, share the light of Jesus Christ with this lost community, this lost country. So Heather and I decided, you know, we, we've got to go and visit these churches. Uh, the ones that are closest to where the missionaries live, certainly they're visited frequently. But we, we set out to try and visit as much as we possibly could during our term. So let's go to the next picture. So we, uh, we got started. And this is another interesting story. Uh, we had a a guy who was working for us, helping to clean up our our yard and our garden and helping us with getting vegetables that we needed for our our daily living. And he said, hey, my neighbors uh, want to talk to you. And our our gardener, he was a Muslim. And uh, he said, well, they're they're Hindu. 
but they want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, what, they want a job or what's, what's going on, what do, they, what do they need? So I had one of our social workers, one of our evangelists, sit with me, and we talked with uh, this, this family, and they wanted to know about Jesus. Like, fantastic, great. So, you know, I wasn't sure what their motives were, but, you know, week after week they kept coming, and we were going over the gospel with them. Our evangelist was going over it mostly, and I was there to support him, and we were encouraging this family together, and they were faithful, and then we connected them with their local church and their local pastor, and then after about a year of being faithful coming to church, they accepted Christ as a Savior. And, you know, just for us being there was the connection. So they, they saw us as foreigners, and they're thinking, you know what, I need to talk to them so I can hear about this Jesus Christ, this, this, the truth of the gospel. So... <laughs> You might be thinking to yourself, you know, I'm not a great speaker, or, you know, I don't know how to share Christ with those around me. But be a light where God has you. Just for us being there in the community gave us this opportunity to share Christ with this family. And we can welcome them. We'll be able to celebrate forever and ever in heaven with them because of God allowing us to have this opportunity to just be in Bangladesh. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, so on top of just visiting our churches, we also were praying about it and decided we want to be able to find a way to practically bless uh, these churches we're going to be visiting and uh, all, all of our church association churches. So several churches and individuals gave towards providing Bibles and songbooks to these local churches. And when we go there, you can see them. They're, they're all tattered and torn, some of these Bibles and songbooks. And so... This was, you can see some of the pastors at one of our meetings, and they're just so excited to get these new books, and they can hand out these Bibles to new believers. And so that was a great blessing. It was a great opportunity for us as a family to spend time together getting those boxes ready. You can see right there the hallway of our house. And that was just a wonderful opportunity for us. Next picture. All right, so this is a, just a picture of a few of our local churches. This one is mostly uh, a community of people who are, are farmers, and, and when we visit this church, is mostly ladies. Uh, and we certainly love ladies to be a part of our churches, but we want to have our, our guys as well being a part of this church and to be the leader of their families and to uh, help this church to grow. So this is the church in Gunia. Let's go to the next picture. And then this is a, a church on a hill. So it was quite an adventure to get up there. It's hard for children and for uh, people who have bad joints to get up there. And they have no clean water. And we had some spicy food, and if my stomach's not feeling so good, I was like, I hope there's a bathroom right here somewhere. <laughs> but uh, they, they didn't, so I had to go to the, the house down the, down the street to find a bathroom. So anyway, that was uh, exciting. But, uh, yeah, we've been praying for them. We're hoping to provide them some clean water, provide them a, a place they can have a bathroom, and see this church grow. We're, we're so excited to see, even with how hard it is to get up there, how treacherous it was. We're holding on to our kids' hands really tight so they wouldn't jump over this cliff that, where the church is positioned. We're hoping to make a, a safer place and a place that this church can really thrive. But even so, we're happy to see how many people were there. Let's go to the next picture. And this is our... the. We understand the largest church that's Bangladeshi-led in Bangladesh. There's other ones that are larger in some of the cities that perhaps are led by foreigners. 
but this is the largest independent Bangladeshi church, and that's the one closest to our hospital compound, Memorial Baptist Church. And uh, we were there doing uh, Palm Sunday, so the kids decorate palm branches, and we can go around the community and just singing praise songs. It's really a, a really fun time every year. Next picture. And then we got to experience a, uh, see a baptism happening at this church. This is one of our other closer churches to our hospital compound. And uh, this pastor also is very active with children's ministry. So very active church and uh, quite a light in this very Hindu community. Let's go to the next slide. And then this is a church that is pretty far away from where most of the missionaries live. So we had, they had applied for assistance to get their roof fixed. You could see the roof is almost falling off in the, right there in the bottom picture. And then the nice new tin was able to be put up. When Samaritan's Purse came out to help our refugee crisis, they built a structure and with the understanding that when we don't need as much room, we're going to be able to donate some of these supplies to our local churches. And this was part of that deal. And so this church got a new roof. And they were ecstatic, and they were so happy to have us come and visit with them. And uh, they hadn't had any missionaries after their church for a long time. So they were so happy, and we were glad to have a chance to pray with them and encourage them while we were at that church. Next picture. Heart House Handicrafts. Heather is a uh, key member in the team that's helping these ladies and these men as they make... Uh, you know, very, very nice handicrafts. We have a few uh, displayed you can take a look at afterwards. And so Heather helps uh, our, our Bangladeshi leader, uh, Shati, as she's leading the, this department. And it's providing a place for, for widows and for those who are pretty impoverished to have a, a safe place that they can learn and they can uh, work. And, and also they are very crucial, too, with our hospital and during the pandemic, this department was making masks and making uh, gowns and all of our special protective equipment for going in and helping our COVID patients. They were key in, in seeing our hospital continue to minister to our, our COVID patients. Next picture. And then uh, Heather, on top of that, does many other things, including homeschool. So there's Bella, George, and Philip working hard and having some animal helpers with them each one so uh yeah homeschool is uh, a delight and the kids do an excellent job with that and uh, heather works very difficult very diligently to to help our, our kids with their homeschool next picture and then uh, just some more pictures of our, our children who are a key member of our team uh, as they're learning as they're growing in homeschool and and as you can see we as a family see our, our ministry. It's not just me, not just Heather. We as a family, we minister to our community. Next picture. So some prayer requests. Uh, health for Heather and the baby. So far, uh, everything's been going great. Thank you for your prayers with the delivery. Uh, Heather and Evan recovered better than we thought it would have been possible. We thought Evan had to go to the NICU. That didn't need to happen. He was able to be right in the room with us afterwards. So that was a huge praise. Um, wisdom and strength uh, for the changes related to our strategic planning. You know, we've been trying to figure out how we can see our ministries be more streamlined, uh, how we could be most effective to sharing Christ with our community. And it's been delayed somewhat because of COVID and other 
uh, struggles that have been happening, but pray that we'll be able to have wisdom and strength to see that through. Uh, pray for the new believers. I didn't tell you the name. Mito and Please pray for them and their their family and other new believers as they're growing and as they face opposition from their families and their community. Uh, they have a lot of pressure put on them to revert back to their previous way of belief. Spiritual growth and strength for the Bangladeshi believers and church leadership. Like I said, there's, there's so much temptation to give in to materialism, to uh, try to show their relatives that, oh, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian, but I'll still follow these Hindu beliefs or I'll still go to the mosque or whatever. The, there's all kinds of pressure that they would not be completely sold out for Jesus Christ. Pray that they would be str- strong, even for our pastors, that they would have strong leadership and they'd be able to help and equip their congregations to serve the Lord. All right, next picture. So what can you do? Please continue to pray for us. We thank you for your prayers. Uh, communicate with us. Thank you for how you communicated. Uh, even little emails, letters, it's such an encouragement when we get those things. And oftentimes it's when we're going through difficult and stressful times we get those. And serve alongside us. Come on out. We have a, a new hospital that needs to be staffed. We have, at this point, only two doctors, a surgeon and a family practice doctor who are serving this community of, as I said, millions of people. So we can't do everything. We try and set boundaries and limits, but yeah, come and serve alongside us. Whatever time frame you have from uh, a few weeks, a month, or a year, come on out and serve alongside us. There is not just hospital, there's teaching, there's agriculture, there's anything you can think of. We can find a job for you. <laughs> we can use you. All right, thank you for hearing this uh, presentation. Before we move into hearing from uh, God's Word, I'd like to take a minute to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for how good you are. Thank you for this morning of worship, praising your name. Because you are worthy of worship. You are worthy of all honor and glory and praise. God, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We thank you for the ministry that's been happening in Bangladesh for so many years. I pray you continue to renew it. I pray you continue to help it to be completely conformed to your will. That our, uh, our pride and our own will will not get in the way of your, uh, your vision your desire to see the people of Bangladesh be saved from the darkness that surrounds them, and they will be uh, fully conformed followers of you. Lord, I pray that you will bless this time now as we uh, look into your word, and I pray that you would use your word to encourage our hearts and to motivate us to better service of you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. So thank you also for the opportunity to share from God's word this morning. So, uh, who here likes Christmas songs? Um, I'm, I'm one of those people who can listen to Christmas songs all year. I, I just love it. Not so much all the, all the, the silly ones, but I, I for sure love Christmas carols, the ones, uh, the, the worshipful songs that come out. I, I love those. And eh, some of the, the fun Jingle Bell ones, those are fun too. I, I can go for that all year long. And uh, how, about, how about Handel's Messiah? We, we think of that one as a Christmas album, but really, there's certainly some that have to do with Jesus Christ's advent, but a lot of the songs now also are really a, a Resurrection Sunday, an Easter song, a lot about 
who he is and, and his second coming. So it's just a, a wonderful uh, song. I mean, we've still got to play that uh, this, this Christmas time. So as we enter this Advent season, we're thinking about our Savior. Think about even Hamill's Messiah. Magnific- just magnificent names for Jesus that are remembered. Like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From the Hallelujah Chorus. Our God is great and is greatly to be praised. And Christmas time is a time to celebrate the first coming of our Messiah. And also a time to enjoy the company of our family and our friends. And today I want us to consider the manner in which Jesus Christ came to earth. Certainly all these names for him, these magnificent names, are true and belong to him. But I want us to think about how Christ did come to earth and how that impacts how we ought to live our lives as followers of the Messiah, Jesus. And so the passage we're reading this morning, it might seem a little strange. So I'm thankful to hear you guys are going through parables. This fits in perfectly. But we're thinking about our Advent time, Christmas time. We may be thinking this is a strange passage. This passage is a parable about people who have been invited to a wedding feast. And the Greek word that is used, for, used here for invited is kalau. This Greek word is used most often throughout the Bible for those who have been called or those who have, have a calling so I guess you could see that too as invited, you're being called to this wedding feast or called to do something like that. But we as the called people of Christ need to pay close attention to this passage. Because it's not just a general proverb. It's not just, oh yeah, make sure you're humble and uh, you know, be, be, be a good guest. But this really encompasses the attitude and the lifestyle of the believer who has been called to more than just glorifying themselves. To be called and to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to have a worldview that is in line of Scripture. Before we read this passage, let me try to make this a little more real for you. Let me give you a fictional story that might help us understand this maybe in a more modern context. So let's say you're a business owner, and you had a key client for many, many years And even through the pandemic, you provided them what they needed, their needed supplies. And uh, you're invited to their Christmas party. You're excited to spend some time on a more personal level with your client and enjoy their amazing spread of food. After all, you should be one of the most honored guests at their party. You, You came through for them, even through difficult times when others left them uh, in the dust. You kept them afloat. Just as you're about to tell your favorite joke to break the ice of your client, their mother and dad walk in. And your client ushers them right in front of you to sit them in a comfortable seat. Well, okay, that, that, that's over. But now you begin to walk back to your client, and your competitor business boisterously comes in the door, pats your client on the back, and pulls them away to the shrimp cocktail you had your eye on. The evening carries on in this manner until it begins to get late. Your client sees you, gives you a cordial greeting, gathers their family to bid all their guests goodbye. It's not quite the thank you and the time that you were expecting for the years of service you were, that you offered to your client and the attention you were hoping for at the beginning of the evening. We all have a perception of how we ought to be treated by others. 
And some of these come from our social status, who we are, our age, and other uh, reasons that we should be treated with respect. These are natural. These are culturally bound. However, God wants us to form our worldview and our personal perception on what's taught from the Bible, not just on what our culture tells us or who we are in society, but our worldview, our, our life, should be based on what the Bible teaches us. We can even become very prideful about our spirituality. And this is what we see in our key passage today. Now, once again, I want to read us our key passages. Jesus shares a similar parable to a group of men who believe they were deserving a special honor. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. And to give a little bit of context, this is right before this is happening, Jesus is with some Pharisees and lawyers, and he healed a man of dropsy on the Sabbath. So Jesus is breaking some social norms and is upsetting these, these guys who thought that Jesus should be acting in a different way. So it says here, starting at verse 7, So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we're thinking about the cultural context of this, what's happening here. As I'm sure you're aware in the ancient Near East, they'd be reclining around a table, and there'd be these pillows. And so there'd be the host in the middle, and then the seat of honor would be to the right. And they'd be reclining uh, on, on, their, on their arm like this as, the, as they're eating. And so taking the seat of honor would be sitting to the right or even to the left-hand side of the, of the host rather than going at a, a seat where they may feel less honored where they're sitting. Jesus here is speaking to a group of very respected men who believe they ought to receive the most honor. And, but he goes on to show how being humble will lead to honor, while being prideful will lead to shame. I was reading a good commentary that was talking about how the Pharisees and religious leaders would have been listening to this parable, uh, and they were thinking that they should have been honored. They were thinking that you know, they're, they're the ones in the community who are giving the laws, who are interpreting the laws. So they ought to be the ones to be honored. These, after all, were the, the Pharisees were the champions of the faith. They stood out for the way they lived. Even when others were giving in to societal pressures, the Pharisees were like, no, we're, we're holding the line. We are, we are the champions of the law. And so, to an extent, that's to be commended, that they didn't give in to others around them. But as we're well aware, and from Jesus seeing their hearts, calling them, you know, really bad names, calling them whitewashed tombs, calling them uh, dogs, and all, all these really 
uh, bad things. We know that their hearts were not always in the right place. Even though their outside actions were good, their hearts were not always in the right place. The religious fervor easily migrated into a self-seeking and attention-grabbing attitude. Later in Jesus' ministry, in Luke chapter 18, we also see the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You may have already gone over this one. But uh, we see here, looking down on others, we perceive as sinful while rejoicing our own self-righteousness. So you're familiar with it that, you know, two men went to the temple uh, one, was a task, one was a Pharisee who said, no, Lord, thank you that I, I am so righteous and I'm not like this tax collector, not like this evil man. But whereas the tax collector goes and with his head bowed, says, Lord, please forgive me, a sinner. And then only the tax collector that way, that day, went home justified. And we think to ourselves, now, I, I'm not that Pharisee. Yeah, I'm not that legalistic. I would never think that. But our, our hearts are sinful. It's very easy to fall into that kind of pride. That we look to others, we look to maybe perhaps those who are poor, those who may not dress us nicely or maybe acting out. And we're thinking, you know, well, th- God, thank you that I'm not like that person. Um, whatever they have, mental illness or uh, their uh, financial position. Thank you. I'm not like them. Thank you for putting me in this position. It's easy to think that way. Even to think about our own uh, spirituality. Thank you, Lord, I, that I go to church. Thank you that I, I, I tithe, I give, and thank you that I'm not like those others who are, are selfish. They, they don't tithe. They, they don't do this or that. It's easy to fall into these prideful attitudes, and they creep in. And we need to stop it right away and call it sin. That's pride, and we need to say no to that. Pride is a very deceptive sin. At the great wedding feast of the Lamb, at Christ's second coming, there will be people from every nation present. There will be people from every social strata from earth, and I think we'll be surprised who we'll see there and who we expected would be there who is not present. Now, I doubt there's going to be anything in our hearts except pure joy to be in the presence of Jesus Christ at that time. But part of me wonders, part of my, my earthly feelings, my wonders, if while we're sitting there at the wedding feast and we're thinking, you know what, I, I thought I'd be a little closer to the Jesus. I thought I, I, I wouldn't be this far back. Uh, but... I, I'm sure that we're just going to be able to be rejoicing and thankful for wherever we are and that we've been redeemed and that we are in his wedding feast as opposed to suffering apart from him forever. But you wonder if there would be those feelings of pride. Uh, like, why, why am I this far back? But like I was sharing earlier, you may be wondering what this has to do with Christmas. So you saw my son, my son Evan, our, our baby. Evan is about a month and a half old now. And as you can well understand, he is completely dependent on Heather and I to take care of him. He can't change his own diaper. He can't feed himself. He is completely dependent. Now, think about Evan. Think also about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He came to earth as a baby. How humiliating. 
how, how uh, low he had to come. Think about Jesus, who was present at the creation of the world. He was there with, uh, with the Father and with the Spirit at the time of the creation of the world. He saw Adam and Eve being created. And in his humility, in his, uh, in his love for mankind, came to earth as a baby, needing to be changed, needing to be cared for, needing to allow others to serve him, he being God, who had, has, who had and still has the power to do anything. The same God who spoke the world into existence and knows every grain of sand on the seashore came as a baby, needed parents and others to care for him. He lived a life of ridicule, shame, and hardship. Then he died one of the most humiliating deaths possible on the cross by crucifixion. If anybody deserved to be revered and respected and deserved a place of honor, it was Jesus Christ himself. Yet he lived a life of humiliation and humbleness. Why would he do this? Why would the God who created everything and knows all things humble himself so much to come to earth as a baby? For two reasons. First of all, to be obedient to the will of God the Father. Jesus Christ obeyed. We don't always think about that. No, he, he is God, but even so, he was obedient to the will of God the Father to go to the cross for us. And second of all, for the love of mankind, that we might be reconciled to God. He loves us so much. That's why he came to earth, so that we can be redeemed. We can be reconciled with God. We're sinful. We, we deserve to be punished. We deserve to be apart from God forever. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, that because of his obedience, because of his sacrifice on the cross, and because he is resurrected, because he's alive, we have the opportunity, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we will have forgiveness of our sins and we will be reconciled with God. We will have eternal life in heaven because of him. Only in and through Jesus Christ is this possible. And as this passage says, he who humbles himself will be exalted. The name of Jesus Christ will be exalted above every other name forever and ever. And we see a lot of this in the book of Revelation. I'm, I was just finishing Revelation in my devotions uh, recently. And we see over and over again how because of Jesus Christ's obedience and his death on the cross, that his name is, is praised and exalted over and over again. Only he is worthy to break the seal. Uh, and he is, he is the one who is worthy uh, to receive all honor and praise. His name will be forever exalted as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me read another passage of scripture related to this, which illustrates all of this very well. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'm reading this out of the uh, New International Version. I, I, I like the way they describe this passage in the NIV. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. That says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, <clears throat> humbled himself, becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we see this, that regardless of whether we do acknowledge him now as, as God or those who completely reject Jesus Christ now here on earth, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And all this is done to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is God, and when he came to earth, he had all the power and ability that comes with being the creator. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. This is what verse 6 is talking about. Jesus could have at any time displayed all of his attributes as, as God. He could have taken full advantage of, it, of all of his power and of his relationship with the Father. But instead, he lived humbly and accepted his weak state as a human. I want to read you a quote from the Bible exposition commentary I was using that helps us understand Jesus' humility really well. And that says, it would be worthwhile to contrast Christ's attitude with that of Lucifer. So we see Lucifer's fall in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, and Adam in Genesis chapter 3. Many Bible students believe that the fall of Lucifer is a description of the fall of Satan. I, I believe that as well. He, he once was the highest of the angelic beings, close to the throne of God, but he desired to be on the throne of God. Lucifer said, Lucifer said, I will. But Jesus said, thy will. Lucifer was not satisfied to be a creature. He wanted to be the creator. Jesus was the creator, yet he willingly became man. Christ's humility is a rebuke to Satan's pride. And honestly, it's a rebuke to our pride as well. The way Jesus came as a baby... His humble life, the humble way he died, is a complete rebuke to Satan and Satan's pride. It's a rebuke also to our pride. Satan is the father of lies, and he is constantly lying to us that if we seek our, our own will and our own desires, we will be satisfied. You know, especially in Western culture, especially in American culture, we hear this all the time, you deserve this. You, you work so hard, or whatever advertising is meant to say, you deserve this, whatever this is. And Satan likes to say that as well. You, you don't deserve to be treated that way. You should exert yourself and, and tell that person what you think. Uh, and we, we see this over and over again, that in our own hearts, our own flesh tells us that, you know, we should not follow what the Bible says, but we should follow what our own will is. 
Satan committed the first sin in his prideful rebellion against God. The sin of pride continues even in our own hearts today. As humans, we feel this fleshly need to seek our own will and our own desires. But what is Paul telling the Philippian church here? He tells them to look to the example of Christ. Refuse to listen to the lies of Satan in your flesh and be humble. Do what verse 3 and 4 say. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's what, apart from Christ, that's all we do is live for a selfish ambition and being conceit. It's all about me. Humanism, I, whatever I want, whatever my heart tells me to do, I'm going to follow it. That's what Satan's lies tell us to do. You follow what your heart tells you to do. But the Bible here is saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, that's really hard to do. We want to do what we want to do. We want to serve ourselves. We want what we want, and people can be complicated. People can be annoying. Looking at popular online posts and popular self-help books, the emphasis is on self-care. Eliminate toxic people out of your life. Get rid of those people. Follow what your heart tells you to do. And we see this even in children's movies. Now, follow your heart. Do this. It's not a biblical worldview. We should be denying the lies of Satan to worship ourselves and to serve only ourselves and to not be in selfish ambition, vain conceit, thinking that we are the most important, that we are God. But instead, be like Jesus, serve others. Worship God as king of your heart, that we're not the, our own king. <clears throat> now, don't get me wrong. It is important to not tolerate abuse in your life and to set boundaries in relationships with work and uh, other relationships, but our hearts tend to lean towards selfishness rather than towards humble service of others. God wants us to be uh, confident, and he wants us to be uh, joyful in our life. We shouldn't be enduring nonstop abuse. That's not what I'm talking about here. But you're well aware what I'm, what I'm saying is that don't worship your own desire. Serve God. Serve others. <clears throat> Serving oneself can feel right, but we must look to our source of truth in the Bible rather than to our feelings. The task of loving and serving others as better than ourselves is impossible in and of ourselves. We can't do it. We need God's help. Given the natural inclinations of our hearts, we would make more and more selfish decisions again and again until our own destruction. Now, this is the good news about Christmas. God himself came humbly as a baby. He put on real flesh. Jesus felt real happiness. He felt real pain. Jesus was tempted, yet he overcame. Jesus had many opportunities to serve himself, but he chose to be a servant of others instead. The good news about Christmas is that we have a God who can sympathize with our struggles. Our God is not distant. You know, where we, we serve in Bangladesh, the false God that they serve uh, in the Muslim majority is, is distant and is, is foreign. He is not close to his people, yet God, our, our, the God of the Bible, sent Jesus Christ 
to be tabernacle with us, to be our Emmanuel, God with us. He, is, he was not just physically close to us at the time of his advent. He continues to be close to us as he intercedes as our great high priest before God the Father. And he is sympathizing with our struggles. When you feel Satan wants you to believe the lie that you're alone in your struggle, and in the sadness you feel, and the fear, uh, in, in the whatever, whatever struggle you're going through, he wants you to feel like you're alone, nobody understands you. Now, for sure, we as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we come alongside one another and encourage each other. We pray with each other. But also, Jesus Christ himself, our God, knows what you're going through. And especially during this Christmas time, it can be a hard time for many people. You may have lost someone close to you uh, during Christmas time. You may have other difficulties that you're experiencing right now. It might not feel like a joyful time. But our God is close to us. And Jesus understands what you're going through. And he is saying, follow my example. Be a servant of others like I am. Be humble like I am. We can humble and serve others as better than ourselves because Jesus did so to the extent of offering his own life that mankind can be set free from their sin. Christmas is important because we can rejoice that Jesus did come to earth and died for our sins in obedience to the will of God the Father. Since Jesus obeyed, we also have the hope that with the help of God, we can follow God in obedience. We're not doing this by ourselves. God is, himself is helping us, and we can follow Christ's example. You do not walk alone as you seek to love and serve God and others around you. So let's look at both the conclusions of Luke 14 and Philippians 2 now. So Luke 14, 11 says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So according to the conclusion of Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 to 11, there is no other name more exalted than Jesus. Since he chose to be humbled by giving his life on the cross according to the will of the Father, his name will be forever glorified. Jesus is the ultimate example of humbling yourself and God exalting him. Now, we don't do these things that we'll be exalted. We're not looking for our own glory. But we do follow Christ's example. He is the ultimate example of humility and being glorified. But because we live a life that is humble, and we live a life that is in submission to God's will for our life and following a biblical worldview, we are exalted with Christ because we claim him as our king. We claim him as our example And it's because of his example, because of his life, and us accepting his sacrifice for us that we have the chance to be exalted in the sense that we will be with him forever in heaven, as opposed to being apart from him. Because of Jesus' humiliation on the cross for you, you are free from the chains of self-service, and now you can serve the people who Jesus loved enough to die for them. So people who are apart from Christ always think about that, that they're in chains, that they have no choice but to follow a selfish lifestyle. And like I said, if, if, when we do that, at least our own destruction, when we seek our, only our own will, our own good, it 
really leads to destruction. But we're set free from that. Even as we follow the Bible's instruction, we are free from the burden of sin. We are free from uh, the chains of selfishness. We serve the risen Christ. We serve Jesus, who lived humbly and lived as a servant for others. Only when we deny the lie of humanism that says, I am God, and accept the God who sent Jesus at Christmas for you, will we be truly free from the destructive lifestyle of self-seeking. <clears throat> this Christmas, let's remember Jesus' humility and what he did as coming as a baby and in how he died to set us free from the burden of our sin. Let me conclude by encouraging you with the words of Paul to the Philippian church. This is our attitude we ought to have of one another. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, which we all have had these things, we've had tenderness, we've had compassion from God and from one another, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourselves. We have truly received much from our freedom in Christ. So let's follow the encouragement of Paul and be united together. And this is not a false unity. We have, especially at Christmas time, we hear about this. No, it's, it's all about love and about hope. And I was listening to uh, a, a radio station that was claims to be Christian. And they said, well, you know, our hope is being with family and this, this warm feeling by the fire. This is not hope. <laughs> Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And because we are set free from our sin, that is what gives us hope. And we, if you want to have a popular song, make it about unity. You know, you hear about all these kind of things. Let's, let's get together. Let's, everyone's going to be happy and we just want one, one world together. There's no, no, no sadness. And what, what we're really trying to look for is the eternal kingdom when Jesus Christ comes again. That's what people are desiring. It's natural in our hearts. We, we want to be united together. But the only unity that there is, truthfully, is in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, there is no unity. Otherwise, we are following after false gods. And the only unity we, we truly have is in the community of believers. So, like Paul is encouraging them, act that way. As the body of Christ, love one another, serve one another, find ways to encourage each other, especially during this time of Advent, especially during this time of Christmas. Find ways to encourage and uplift one another. That we as a community of Jesus Christ are going to be a shining light to a world that is in darkness that has no true love, no true unity, because it really is residing here in, in the body of Christ. Do not do these things just a few days out of the year because of the spirit of Christmas, but because our Savior Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate here at Christmas, and he came and he modeled these values perfectly so that we can follow his example. We have this, this hope. We have this joy because of Jesus, because of what he did for us by coming at Christmas time. <coughs> Excuse me. 
<clears throat> it is only through loving others with humility that we become more like our Savior Jesus. I pray that we'll remember this as we celebrate our Savior Jesus during this Christmas time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you again. We are so thankful for coming as a baby, humbly. And uh, we are just in awe of you, how you could live the perfect life. And you could, in humility, die on the cross to save us from our sin. Lord, I pray that we would wake up each day, preach the gospel to ourselves, and remember how you have saved us. <clears throat> Lord, I pray you help us to share this truth <coughs> with our community. I pray that we would be missionaries to our own circles of influence. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we honor your name during this Advent season. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.